0: It's a season of focus on what matters most as Jesus makes his way to the cross. And so this afternoon, I want to invite you as we read that account from the Bible uh, to follow along. You can follow along on the screen. Uh, A handheld smartphone. Uh, We actually have old school Bibles. Uh, that we we encourage you, you, in fact, if you do not have a Bible uh, and you'd like to take one, please do so. But follow along as we read from the Gospel of Mark, the story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. As they approached, verse 1, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are doing this, say, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, Tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead, And those who follow shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The Palm Sunday story from the Gospel of Mark. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day, the people waved branches. And so that means that any time today you want to wave a branch, you can. Uh, This is a day of celebration. As Jesus rode into town, they threw branches in front of him. And and that's why we call it, uh, in, in in a sense, Palm Sunday. They threw palm branches. They put their cloaks on the ground. They shouted in celebration. It was a a day where Jesus was worshipped and celebrated. Yet, we know there's more to the story. Because even as we know now, Good Friday was coming. The cross is just around the corner. This is the beginning of the last week of Jesus' earthly life. And we know that this same crowd, who's so excited, saying Hosanna, this same crowd in in a few days, will be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. You see, the people were confused. They, They just didn't get it. They didn't grasp what Jesus was about to do. And so they just kept getting confused. Some of them thought, that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem as a great teacher. He had a message that was going to change things and set the world straight. Others thought that, that he was a miracle worker who could pull things, supernatural things, could happen and change the way things were. And others thought, perhaps most of them thought, he was a politician, one who would come and be the king, coming into the city as a king, and he would overthrow the Roman with force, He would change the kingdom by force. But we know Jesus didn't come as as the teacher. He didn't come as the miracle worker. He didn't come as the politician. He came as the savior of the world. And they just misunderstood. I, I suspect we shouldn't be too hard on them. You know, a moment of compassion here for this crowd. Because the truth is, we too sometimes get confused about the truth, and the mission of Jesus. The story sometimes is confusing to us. It's a little like what happened one day when uh, the children in their Bible class, they were talking about Palm Sunday, and the teacher, she asked the children, she said, does anybody know what today is? One little girl, she shot her hand up into the sky, and and the teacher called on her. She said, yes, and the little girl said, today's Palm Sunday. And, And so the teacher said, That's right do you know what next week is? And that same little girl raised her hand up and she said, next Sunday's Easter, it's Resurrection Sunday. And the teacher said, that's great. Do you know why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday? Uh, the little girl said, yes, because Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the, gra- the grave. And before the teacher could congratulate her, the little girl went on to say, "And if she see- and if Jesus sees his shadow, he goes back in for seven more days. You see, it's, it's, it is confusing sometimes. It is possible to get the story and the mission of Jesus confused. But I don't want to do that today. I don't want to make the mistake. I want to get the story right. And that's my passion today. That's my passion every time that I preach, actually. Uh, believe it or not, preachers can sometimes make things more complicated uh, than they should be. Sometimes preachers like to talk too much. Uh they like to just to, to tell too many tangent stories or they shout a little too loud and, and, and preachers sometimes can make things too confusing, which is why the golden rule of preaching must apply and the golden rule is that a preacher must keep it simple, must keep it focused, and most importantly, this is where you wave your branches must keep it short. <laughs> You didn't know there was a golden rule to preaching, did you? Well, you do now, that's the golden rule of preaching. So here it is. Here is the focused, the simple, the short message of Palm Sunday, and it's found in one verse, Mark eleven two, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden, untie it, And bring it here. This is the Palm Sunday message. This is actually, I believe, a summary of the entire mission of Christ. You see, Jesus gives his disciples four commands concerning the donkey and his trip into Jerusalem. These four commands and explain his entire mission on the cross their commands that the disciples had to follow, and these are the same commands that compel us even today as we follow Christ. The four commands are ready, so you have to remember these four things. Actually, just four words today. I told you, it's really going to be short. Go, find, untie, and bring. If you don't remember anything else I say today, Please remember the donkey. The first command is is go. Now, this is arguably the most important priority for Jesus and for every disciple of Jesus. This is what it means to live on mission with Christ. It means that you go. When Jesus invited Peter and Andrew to follow along and be uh, on mission with Jesus, they had to go with Jesus instantly and on the spot. They had to make a decision to go. They left everything behind. They followed Jesus. This was God's mission. And it also was the way that Jesus came. In John 3.16, we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And Jesus was willing to go. He was willing to go into the world and ultimately to go to the cross. Go was a most important word in the vocabulary of Jesus because he knew that our temptation would be to stay. We kind of like to stay where it's warm, where it's comfortable, maybe where it's dry. We want to stay in favorable positions. We want to stay in places that are to our advantage. Sometimes we want to stay on top of the mountain. In Matthew chapter 7, the gospel tells us about that occasion when Jesus took Peter and James and John up to the top of the mountain. It was the transfiguration of Jesus. And and it was really cool, an experience. Jesus was transfigured before them, and and the disciples were there, and and there was a Moses, and there was Elijah, and they were there. and, And Peter, you remember, he really liked it there. He said, Jesus, I got an idea. Let's just build some shelters. We'll stay here on top of the mountain. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, sorry, Peter, you have to go. We have to go down from the mountain and into the valley where the people live. We need to be with the people who are hurt, without hope, who are broken. We need to go into their lives so we can show them the hope and the truth and life of Jesus. It's not on top of the mountain. It's down where the people live. It's no coincidence that the Great Commission begins with the word go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus invites us to go, and we don't have to go very far. This is cool. We don't have to go to faraway places in the world, because look around you today. The world has come to Debertson. Just look around. It's so cool that the Lord has brought the world right here to Debertson. And so when you go, you may only have to go five centimeters to your neighbor. You don't have to go very far. You can, you can go to the person who lives down the hall, the neighbor who lives next to you, the person you sit next to at school that you work with, the person that, that you see on the bus. You don't have to go far, but you do have to go. That's the important thing. We used to have at my church in Michigan, a sign. And so as the people would, they would come into the parking lot, they would park the cars. The sign was facing on the way out. So you couldn't see it as you were coming in. You could only see it as you were leaving the building. And the sign said, you are entering your mission field. You see, your mission field is as close as those doors. In fact, it might even be right here now in this moment. You don't have to go far. You just have to go. Jesus calls us to go, and he also calls us to find. The disciples had to find the donkey. God's spirit had already been out there, had already been at work in, in the heart, in the mind of the, the donkey, donkey's owner, and the disciples just had to seek it out and they just had to find it. It says, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. Just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. It turns out this idea of finding is pretty important in the kingdom of God. It's a pretty important issue, which is why Jesus in the gospel of Luke chapter 15 tells the story of the lost things that are found. It was the story of the shepherd who leaves the 99 to find the one sheep. It was the story of the the woman who loses a coin and searches the house to find the one coin. It was the story of the father who loses the son who waits to find his son in return. All these stories show us the heart of God. It communicates God's passion for finding people and just how valuable people are. Have you ever lost anything? You don't even have to raise your hand because I know it's true of everybody. Have you lost anything valuable? I'll never forget the occasion when uh, I was taking a a class and it was an intensive class. So it was for a whole week uh, in St. Louis, Missouri, and we were living in Michigan. So that meant that was like a seven hour drive for us. And so we, we loaded up. The kids were little, so we strapped them in their car seats. And we, we took the big, long trip, seven hours to St. Louis. And we unpacked in the hotel and in the, the dormitory. And, and we kind of settled there for a week. And every day I went to school, I was, I was working on my, an intensive class at school. And then at the end of the week, we packed everything up. And we, we loaded back into the minivan. I mean, if you've got kids, a lot of you got kids, you know what it's like to uh, load the kids up and get them in their car seats i mean it's like a day's work just to get them strapped in uh and so we get them all strapped in and we get the luggage packed and we're shoving it in the last thing and amanda looks down and at her diamond engagement ring and the diamond is gone from her engagement ring oh no we've just packed the last suitcase so what do you do here we are in st louis ready not ready to go back to michigan well what you start looking you try to find the diamond and so we unpacked the, all the luggage. We pulled the kids out of the minivan. And, and, you know, after five hours of work, we've gone through every suitcase. We've gone through every piece of thing we can find. Nothing. We can't stay in St. Louis and spend all of our life looking for the diamonds. So we, we packed everything back up. And, and with great sorrow and sadness, we drove away on our way back to Michigan. Well, I can tell you the seven-hour trip we, we, we cried a little bit we, we talked about the the diamond and all the memories and, and we were just kind of sad, but yet we, we hoped that somehow somebody would find it somewhere. We prayed that, that the Lord would would help us find the diamond. So we get back to Michigan and we settle back in we pull everything out of the out of the minivan and guess what? Amanda sees a little shiny spark sparkle of light. A light, it's buried in the carpet on the back of the minivan, and she finds the diamond. I wish I could tell you it was a really big diamond, but I was a student when I bought it, so it was a tiny diamond, but but we found it, and I have to tell you, it was so exciting to find that. We called our neighbors. I my mean, neighbors didn't even know it was lost, but we told them. We, we celebrated. I used that as a sermon illustration for three weeks at church. It was, it was a great story. I love finding things, finding is very true, very close to the heart of God. It is our mission to go and find people because people matter to God. That's the finding Jesus is talking about. It means that we live life in search and rescue mode all the time. It means that we need to be mentally and spiritually alert, that we're constantly looking at the people around us and realizing that that these people matter to God. And when you realize that, when you realize people matter, when you go to the mall and you see people around you and statistically you know that most of them are living far from, the, from Jesus, far from a relationship, it makes you sad. You, when you see people at work or school, you realize that statistically speaking, most people do not have a close relationship with Jesus. It does something to you. It moves your heart because you are in the business of finding Finding people matters to God. Jesus calls us to go and find, but then he also calls us to untie. The disciples, they had to untie the donkey, and more specifically, a donkey which no one had ever ridden. Now, it's important to understand what this means because it's not usually a good idea to ride an animal that's never been ridden. Uh, you know anything about horses? We had horses for, I had horses for 20 years of my life. And and occasionally we would have those horses that had never been ridden before. And what you did not do is you did not just go ride them. You had to, you, if you were not a professional, if we didn't, it's a process you actually have to call breaking the horse. You have to, it's kind of an odd phrase to say it, but you have to break the horse in. Get the horse used to people. And, and occasionally I would do that. And I was always in for an adventure because the horse would buck. I means it throw you try to throw you off and so you see those movies it's true that's how it works with a horse but it's not the same with a donkey a donkey reacts differently and so to ride a donkey that's never been ridden actually implies a sacred purpose you see when jesus tells them to untie a colt that's never been ridden it's it's because of a sacredness a specialness You see, this was God's plans from the prophets. When Jesus rides a colt that has never been ridden, he fulfills God's plan. In the same way, when the disciples that go and they untie the colt that's never been ridden, they fulfill God's plan. And you know what? When you and I untie somebody from a messy life, we also fulfill God's plan. And so the important question for every one of us is are you willing? Are you willing to get in the business of untying people? Uh, to get your hands dirty? Are you willing to, to give up some free time? Are you, are you willing to pour out your life for the sake of someone else? To help them untie the mess that they're in? Because how you answer this question reveals the kind of relationship you have with Jesus. This is why the Gospel of Luke tells us about that occasion when the expert of the law, he he comes to Jesus and he asks a very important question. says in Luke 10, 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? After this conversation they have about loving God and loving your neighbor, Jesus tells the story of the good Samaritan. You remember that story, the story of the Good Samaritan? There's a man, he's, he's robbed and he's beaten up on the side of the road. And, and these three people, they come by. And the first person, he comes by, he's a priest, right? He's a religious professional. And what do, what do religious professionals do? They're supposed to help people, right? But not this priest. He goes on, he passes on the other side of the road. And the next person is a, is a Levite. Uh, when he sees the person, you know the story, right? What happens to the Levite? The Levite, he sees the person who needs help Does he have time to help? No, he's too busy. Probably got a church meeting he's got to go to. So he he gets on the other side of the road and he passes by. And so finally, it's it's the Samaritan, the one who's least likely the one who's the outcast, the one nobody likes, the one who's not even supposed to know God, comes by and sees the man who needs help. He gets off of his donkey. He helps the man. He bandages the wounds. And you know what he does? At the end of the day, he pays for it all. That's awesome. He was willing to invest. He was willing to untie the man. Jesus says that the Samaritan is the model for us to follow. He says, go and do likewise. I like how author and teacher Jill Briscoe describes it. She says this kind of love, it's the God love, agape love, that helps you get off the donkey and get into the ditch. It's hard to get off the donkey, actually. It's almost as if Jesus says, he says, I want you to get down from your evangelical donkey and get into the ditch with people who need help. If you're on that high religious horse on your way to church meetings and Bible studies and prayer groups all the time that you don't have time to help people around you, then you don't have the love of God in you. You see, we've got to get off the donkey and get into the ditch where people are to help. The book of 1 Peter says it this way. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, as priests, that means we're priests if we follow Jesus, we have a sacred purpose. We have to untie the tangled up, messed up lives of other people. We have to love as Jesus loved us. Jesus calls us to go, to find, to untie, and then finally to bring. we got to bring them to the cross of Jesus. And we can and we should do a lot of things, but we can't save them. We just can't. Only Jesus can save people, and it happens at the cross. That's where Jesus was going when he entered Jerusalem that day. He was going to the cross because God so loved the world. He was going to the cross so that we could be saved from our sin. He was going to the cross that we might have life eternally and abundantly. And it all happens at the cross. That's the place where we raise the white flag of surrender our lives. It's where we say, Jesus, I want you to be my savior. I want to trust in you. I want to stop living for my own goals, my own ambitions, my own selfishness, and I want to live for you, for your purpose. I want your power in me and through me. I want to do it your way. I want the hope and the joy that begins at the cross. So this is the Palm Sunday mission, as clear as I can tell it. If you don't remember anything else I said today, please remember the donkey and that your mission is the same. Go, find, untie, and bring to the cross of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you are at work around us. You are in the business of saving and touching lives. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your touch. We thank you for the Holy Spirit even now calling us into a deeper relationship with you. We thank you and we pray all this in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.